there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Do you have your Bible with you? Your notebook with you? All right. We've been looking at the ingredients of building. Somebody say the ingredients of building. And so that we can just be at par, let's go to Genesis chapter 11. Because today I want to bring this sermon series to an end. I thought you would be sad. You are happy I'm finishing. You mean I was that boring? Huh? Was it exciting? Genesis chapter 11. Give me some volume a little bit. Genesis chapter 11. From verse 1, the Bible says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of China, and they dwelt there. Then they say to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Verse 8, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because the Lord had, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. We've been looking at the ingredients of building, and we've been looking at some of the qualities that we see from this story that can aid us in building. Part one that we looked at was their unity. Some would say unity. unity. And this was the unity of heart, that these people were united at heart. Because we can be in the same place doing the same thing, but we are not united in our hearts. So the unity that we see uh, at, this, at this moment in time in this story is the unity of heart. Part two, we saw their speech or their language, which is the language of the kingdom. And we looked at the language of the kingdom in a deeper way from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 6. And the language of the kingdom is the language of revelation, is the language of knowledge, is the language of prophecy, and is the language of teaching. And so today, I want to conclude this series by looking at part three, which is their enterprise. Their enterprise. We've looked at their unity, we've looked at their speech, now we want to look at their enterprise. Have you ever seen an elephant, white elephant project? Have you walked around and you see something that was started many years ago, like a building or a house that somebody started building, but they were unable to finish it? Have you ever seen, you know, a ground, a grand groundbreaking ceremony that is full of pomp and color? It has a lot of hype. It has a lot of media attention. And the project started, but at some point, it was never completed. I mean, if you're keen and you look around, you're likely to see white elephant projects. We've heard of stories of people sinking millions into off-plan building projects. But these projects never materialized. These guys never entered those houses. Ladies and gentlemen, even in your own life, if you examine your life, you, you are likely to find a project that you haven't completed. A book that you bought, 
and you've never gone past the table of contents. Resolutions that you came up with at the beginning of the year. And you say it by much. Tell your neighbor we are in April. What happened? Things that you decided that you are going to do, but you never go to do them or accomplish them. Goals. Plans. Some fantastic projects that you have written down somewhere and you say that I'm going to do this by the time I'm 30, I'm going to accomplish this by the time I'm 20, I'm going to accomplish this by the time I'm 40. And it is sad to note that you haven't accomplished those things. Stalled projects and unfinished tasks characterize those who are not committed to their enterprise. I need to say that again. Stall projects and unfinished tasks characterize those who are not committed to their enterprise. Having a goal is good. Having a plan is good. In fact, I encourage all of you to have a plan. I encourage all of you to have a vision. I encourage all of you to have a goal of something that you want to achieve in life. But it is not enough. You must put in some work. You must roll up your sleeves. You must translate what is on paper to the ground for you to realize what you desire to see happening in your life. So have a vision, yes. Have some goals, which is good. But also go a step further to make sure that those goals are implemented or realized in your life. This group of people that we see in Genesis chapter 11 when you look at verse 4, they began by speaking the way we do speak. And people can really speak big things. That neighbor of yours look, looks very innocent, but they do speak big things. The things that they want to do. The things that they want to accomplish. And people can talk big. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to accomplish this. I want to build this. Let me tell you, by the end of the year 2022, you will see. I will shock you. Everybody can talk big. These people spoke and they said something. But I'm glad that they didn't stop at just speaking. Verse 4, they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. That's what they say. Let us come and build. Let us come and do something. They had a vision to build. And the vision was to build a city. The vision was to build a tower. But... It didn't stop there. They began working on it. So tell your neighbor, start working on what you've been saying. They didn't hear you. Tell them one more time. Start working on what you have been saying. Just give me a minute. I have just this. All right. Tell them one more time. Start working on what you have been saying. So they began working on it, and before long, a tower and a city emerged from the rubbles of the construction site. In fact, it was so visible that God even saw it. When you look at verse 5 of Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says, The Lord came down. The Lord came down to see what they have been saying. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I want to see what you have been saying. Hallelujah. Remember, we are talking about the enterprise. We are talking about working our dreams, working the vision, putting some effort into what you are saying putting some diligence, some work, some sweat, and some toil into what you're saying. They spoke about it, and they built it, and God came and saw the city. He came down, and he saw the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. The ingredients of building, ladies and gentlemen, entail the completion of the project we have started. The ingredients of building will entail 
the project that we have started. So it's not just enough to say it. It's not just enough for you to visualize it. You have to actually do it. You have to build it. You have to erect something from the ground so that what you say corresponds what you do. Are we together, somebody? So that what you keep on telling us corresponds what you have accomplished. Because it's not just good for you to talk about big things. It's not just good for you to talk about the vision that you have. 20 years, you're still talking about some of the things you want to do. 30 years, you're still talking about some of the things you want to do. You started talking about them when your hair was black. You are still talking about them, now your hair is gray. And very soon, you'll start think, talking about them when you have no hair. So it's time for you to do what you say. It's time for you to translate what you are speaking on the ground. Build something. Slap your neighbor and tell them, build something. They didn't hear you. Slap them one more time and tell them, build something. Build what you say. Construct what you say. Erect what you say. From the ground all the way to the top. Build something for heaven's sake. Yes, enough of talking. It is time for action. Hallelujah. If you say you build a house, build it. Oh, yes. If you say you get married, get married. Am I preaching to somebody in this house? Tell your neighbor, neighbor, this is the year of doing things. Building a kingdom legacy involves doing something. You've been telling us big things, big dreams, big things you want to do. This year we want to see some of the things you've been talking about. Hallelujah. By the end of this year, there will be something attached to your name. There will be a building attached to your name. There will be a construction attached to your name. Can you shout a louder amen in this house? Yes, there will be something that has leaped from paper to the ground that has your name on it. Can I hear louder amen in this house? So we must complete our projects. We must complete what we have written down. We must complete what we are talking about. We must complete what we are saying that we are going to do in the name of Jesus. Now let me give you examples in the Bible of those who completed their tasks. Number one is God. The God you serve is a good example. He spoke something, he built it until he finished. When God created the heavens and the earth and he put creatures on earth, he left nothing undone. And after he was done, he saw that everything that he made was good. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 to 2, the Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. He rested after working. Nowadays, people are resting before working. Huh? People say, I want to take a break. What have you done? Break from what? Ask your neighbor, what have you done that you need a break? What have you accomplished? What have you built? What have you established? What have you erected from the ground? God rested after working. We have a generation of people who are resting before working. They just want to rest. They don't want stress. They don't want to strain. They don't want sacrifice. They don't want to work. God worked. God had all the power to create everything in a split of a second. But he's teaching us a principle here that spirituality is not an excuse for laziness. You have to work. Pray and work. Fast and work. Give and work. Worship and work. Build something. Hallelujah. Before you rest, build something. Before you take a break, build something. Hallelujah. As I'm preaching, some of you have, have realized that you have been resting at a wrong time. 
There is nothing you have built. There is nothing you have established. Yet you want to rest. Don't rest until you build something. God rested after he had ended his work. The key word there is he ended his work. What he started, he completed. And then he rested. Number two is Moses. He was given the awesome task of building the tabernacle. A place where people will have an encounter with God. And the tabernacle was at the heart of the Israelites. God gave him specific instru instructions concerning the dimensions, the materials, the people who were supposed to work on this tabernacle. I mean, everything was there. The color, everything was there. And Moses completed this project. Exodus chapter 40, verse 16 to 17. NIV, translation of the Bible says, Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. It was finished when it needed to be finished because Moses did everything. Somebody shout everything. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. He gave him a project and he told him, I want you to build this tabernacle. It will have the outer court. It will have the inner court and it will have the holy of holies. I want you to make sure there is the brazen altar as you enter the outer court. Make sure there is the lever of water there made of clear glass. And then as you enter into, you know, the inner court there, make sure that there is the candlestick. Make sure that there is the table of shoe bread. Make sure that you have a place where you can burn incense so that it can be able to move into the Holy of Holies. But before you get to the Holy of Holies, Moses, make sure that there is a veil that separates the holy place from the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, make sure that we have the Ark of the Covenant inside there, because that is where my presence will dwell. And make sure that you surround the place. And make sure that there is no light that gets into the Holy of Holies, because I want to, I want to be the light inside there. And nobody should just walk in there. You should go there once a year to make atonement for the Israelites. He made everything according to God's desire and he finished it. He started that project. It was a complicated project. It was a serious project. It was an enormous project, but Moses completed it. Thirdly is Nehemiah. He set out to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that had been destroyed. The city was in ruins. The walls had been destroyed. And he took time to build the walls. He had this vision while he was having a very good job. He was serving the king. He was living in the palace. You can say state house for that matter. And God put a vision in him. Put a desire in him to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He was going to forsake being around the king, around power. He was going to forsake being around state house. I've been to state house in this country. It is not a place you want to live. When I say to live, it's L-I-L-E-A-V-E, -E, not L-I-V-E. You want to be there. You actually want to live there. L-I-V-E. It's not a place you want to live. L-E-A-V-E. -E. Are we together, somebody? You want to be there. You want to stay there because you're surrounded with power, opulence, and royalty. And God comes and speaks to Nehemiah and puts a burden in his heart to leave all that behind to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Was it easy for him? No. As he was trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he met haters, he met mockers, Sanballat and the group, and they were mocking him to try and discourage him from building this wall. But this guy, I love him, because he rose above all these hurdles, distractions, and challenges that came on his way as he was trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He soldiered on, pushed through every obstacle until he completed this project. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15 to 16. The Bible says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elal. In 52 days, 
Amazing. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was done by our God. The project was completed in record time and the enemies knew that this was the hand of God at work in the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah completed his project. God completed his project. Moses pro uh, completed his project. Number four, Jesus also completed his project. In John chapter 4 and verse 34, Jesus said, My food, my meat, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish. Somebody shout finish. And to finish his work. He didn't just come to die. He came to finish the work that God started from the Old Testament with all those animal sacrifices that were being made in the tabernacle. There's something that was started that was not completed and Jesus came to complete it. He said, I came to finish God's work. When he was dying on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. The work I came to do, it is finished. That means it is done and dusted. I came to die. This is why I was born. This is why I came into the womb of a virgin woman by the name Mary. I didn't just come to heal the sick. I didn't just come to open blind eyes. I didn't just come to cleanse the lepers. I didn't just come to raise the dead. I came to die. That is my ultimate mission here on earth. I came to die as the ultimate sacrifice so that I may save mankind from sin. And that's why when he was there, he said, it is finish. I have done my job. I have accomplished my mission. Number five is Paul. Second Timothy chapter four verse seven. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So all these biblical examples, <coughs> excuse me, they reveal to us the importance of completing our tasks. You will not just be celebrated because of what you started. You will be celebrated because of what you finished. You will not be rewarded because you started something. You will be rewarded because you finished what you started. So tell your neighbor, finish what you start. Oh yeah, that's why if you're not planning to finish something, don't even start it. Are we together somebody? If you're not planning to finish something, don't even start it. Because you'll be a laughing stock. Praise the Lord. If you're not serious with a girl to take her to the altar to marry her, leave her alone. Stop disturbing her emotions. She used to sleep very well until she met you. She was at peace until you came into her life. And it's like you want to say something and you're not saying it. You are, just, you are just throwing hints. You want her to fill in the blanks. Please, leave her alone. Oh, yes. If you want to marry somebody, just go and tell them, look, this is me, this is you. I'm a man, you're a woman. I'm mature, you're mature. I have prayed, I don't know if you have prayed. But this is what I feel. I want to make you my wife. So that is the end goal, but we can start somewhere. We can start by dating. I am like God, the Alpha and Omega. I've shown you the Omega. So let's begin with Alpha. I think I'm helping somebody here. Because look, as I told you last Sunday, please, the people here, they don't want you to waste their time. Say what you need to say and stop beating around the bush. What is wrong just telling somebody I love you and I think you can be a very good wife? It's very simple. Yeah, if they say no, it's fine. You tell them, okay, let me look for another one who can be a wife.
Are we together? Because let me tell you, many of us, we start something, but we are not really committed to finish it. We waste time. We waste our time. We waste somebody else's time. We waste our resources. We waste our monies. We waste so many things. But at the back of your mind, you are not really committed to finish this thing that you are starting. Five years of drinking coffee. Five years of calling each other at the end of the day. Wasting airtime. Bundles that could have been used for you, you know, as in watching sermons, listening to my podcast. You are wasting bundles, but there's no end game in that relationship. So tell your neighbor, stop wasting my time. Yeah. If you start something, be committed to finish it. If you're going to school, be committed to graduate. Don't say I'm going to try. If you're saying I'm going to try, don't even start it. Because you're wasting our school fees. If you're going to school, say I am going, I'm going to study. It will be hard, it will be difficult, but I must graduate. Yes, I must graduate. I'm not dropping out. I must graduate. Praise the Lord. If you're joining the T-Track, you have to finish. If you're not serious, don't join it. Some of you have books and you've never finished. That book could have been in somebody else's hand who is serious and we could have planted a church by now. The book is in the wrong hands. A lazy Christian full of the Holy Ghost who is not committed to finishing what they start. We must finish what we start. God finished what he started. Paul finished what he started. Moses finished what he started. Jesus finished what he started. Nehemiah finished what he started. We must also finish what we start. We have started a building project. We must finish it. And we will finish it in the name of Jesus. Can I hear louder amen in this house? That building will not be a white elephant project. I'm committed to that building with every fiber of my being. I'm committed to that building with my blood, with my sweat, with my energy, with my everything. My everything is in that building. It has to be finished. You know, last week I was even telling um, the site manager, I was telling him, if you get to a place where you don't even have people who can help you to supervise, just let me know. I will come here and supervise. That's how committed I am to that project. I'll come and stay here the whole day to supervise whatever needs to be supervised. Because I believe we have to finish it. You have to build it and to finish it in the name of Jesus. This year we are finishing things. We are completing projects this year. Can I hear louder amen in this house? Tell your neighbor, this year I must complete my projects. Tell them again, this year you must complete your projects. If you believe it, shout louder amen. Now, the completion of projects require the following, and then I'll be out of your way. Number one, a concerted effort. The completion of projects requires a concerted effort. What is a concerted effort? It is synergy. This is the combined power of a group of people when they are working together. This power is greater than the total power achieved by each working separately. It is a combined effort pulling together in one accord in the same direction. When you look at the people in the book of Genesis chapter 11, these guys had a concerted effort towards the building of a tower and a city. They earnest their collective potential to accomplish a feat that couldn't have been achieved by one person. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that the building of mega structures cannot be achieved by a group of people pulling in different directions. There must be a concerted effort. I don't know if you've heard of the Pareto principles, which states that only 20% of effort of, or of people or a good number of people in an organization or in a church will give 80% of the energy required. 20% of members of a church are the ones who support the church. They give 80% of all that is needed for that church to move forward. Studies are showing even churches that are successful. It's very difficult to find 50% of members of that church tithing faithfully. Many churches which are struggling is less than 1% who are tithing faithfully. So if you push the 20 to 100, you can see how much will be drawn into the church to make the church do mega projects. Look at what churches have been able to do with less than 20% faithful tithers all over the world. Churches are building schools. Churches are building hospitals. Churches are, churches are having rehabilitation centers with less than 20% of faithful tithers. So if we push it to 100, you can see what we can be able to do. Churches will do a lot. Are we together? Are we together, somebody? So it needs a concerted effort. If every one of us gets on board and we decide that we want to build God's house, you'll be surprised how the building will move very fast. Glory to God. If all of you become faithful tithers, now when I say faithful, it doesn't just mean consistency. It means faithfulness. If you earn a million shillings, what is your tithe? A hundred thousand. But you see that is a lot of money. So you give God 10,000 as your tithe. So that's not faithfulness. If you're earning 10 million, what is your tithe? It's one million. But in your mind, you say, this is a lot of money to give to, to pastor. In fact, they always say pastor. They don't say God. It's a lot of money to give to pastor. So you revise it downwards. And you give like 100,000. Then you call it your... your that's not faithfulness. God spoke to me to commission this project. He knew that this church is able to build that project. Debt free. Because God will never tell his servant to do something that he knows cannot be done. He speaks to Moses and he tells Moses, tell the people to build me a tabernacle. Tell the people. Speak to the people. God spoke to Moses and sent Moses to the people. God cannot send me to you if, you know you if he knows you can do it. He sends me to you because he knows you can do it. But it boils down to faithfulness. If we can push the 20% to 50, then we push to 60, then we push to 70, then we push to 80, then we push to 100 when we have a concerted effort where everybody pulls in the same direction, the building will go up. Shout amen. If you can shout amen, just say, mm. Exodus chapter 35, verse 21 to 22. And they came. I see people coming. To build God's house. Hallelujah. I see you coming to build God's house. Beam the scripture. Exodus chapter 35 verse 21. And they came. And everyone came. Whose heart was stirred. That means you need a stirring of your heart. And everyone whose spirit was. Tell your neighbor you need to be willing. This morning I've been teaching my class on willingness. Many of us, we are not willing to do what God wants us to do. We are not willing. We will shout, yes, but when it comes to willingness, we tell God, God, wait. I'm not willing. The Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So there is a precondition to eating. Tell your neighbor, there is a condition to eating. What is the condition? Obedience and what? Willingness. Those who are willing, they said we are building. Everyone who was willing, whose heart was stirred, they say we are coming together. We have to do this. 
Give me the scripture. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of the meeting, for all its service, and for the holy garments. Look at verse 22. They came. I see people coming. Who came? Both men. I see men coming. Forward to build God's house. Women also stepped up to the plate. As many as had a willing heart and brought earrings and nose rings and rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. They were willing. It was a concerted effort. It was a mega project that required contributions from the entire congregation. Ladies and gentlemen, what we are building here, if you take your house, it can go into that building 20 times, 30 times, 40 times. Some of you live in an SQ. It can go there a thousand times, isn't it? It will require a concerted effort. Not one person. A concerted for us to complete that project. I pray that all of you will join into this noble cause to build God's house. Nobody will be left behind. I prophesy a stirring in your hearts. I prophesy willingness in your hearts. I prophesy that all of us, we shall join our hands together. Put our heart into this thing. Put our soul into this thing. Put our energies into this thing. Bring our resources together. We will pull in the same direction until the cathedral will be completed in Jesus' name. Shout a louder, amen. Secondly, for a project to be completed, you need concentration. It requires a concerted effort, but secondly, it requires concentration. If you take a convex lens or a magnifying lens and put it under the sun's rays on top of a paper, what's going to happen to that paper? It will burn. Why is it burning? It's because the lens converges the rays of the sun on one spot which produces heat and eventually fire. What we see here is the power of concentration. Where there is concentration, you will always see productivity. Where there is concentration, you will always see fruit. There will be great results where concentration is available. The completion of any task or project or even assignment requires the principle of concentration. These guys in Genesis chapter 11 at the beginning, they were full of concentration. They were so focused. What was their focus? To build a, a city and to build a tower. And they were so committed to it and they say, this thing we are building, we want it to reach to the heavens. That's how committed, rather, uh, that's how focused on this particular goal. And so, what did God do to make them stop building? He didn't make them sick. He didn't bring enemies to fight them. God ensured they just lose concentration. Remember, they were speaking one language. So what did God do? He confused them. So they lose focus. So they don't understand each other. So they, they stop building and start trying to understand each other. Bring me mortar. Somebody say, Atherere. <laughs> so there was confusion. So they shifted their focus on what they had set out to do and started trying to understand each other, and the project stalled. Genesis chapter 11, verse 5 to 8, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. God recognized the power of one language. The power of one language, speaking the same thing. And he said, because of one language, these people understand each other, and they're concentrating on this thing to build it. I must do something. 
One language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from all, from there over the face of the earth and they ceased. They ceased. Why did they cease building? Because their focus shifted to something else. Their focus shifted to different languages that they started hearing within the camp. Language barrier became a distraction to the builders. They shifted their focus from what they set out to build at the beginning to try and understand each other. Ladies and gentlemen, distraction. Distraction caused the project to stall. And because of that, what happened? They were scattered. Because now you can't understand each other. You are calling for a spade. Somebody brings you milk. You ask for nails. Somebody brings you a jack plane. You say, bring me cement. And somebody brings you black cotton soil. They could not understand each other. Their focus was messed up. They were distracted. And because of lack of concentration, the project ceased. The building ceased. The exercise that they had embarked on had to be stopped because now they shifted their focus from building to try and understand one another. Concentration is powerful. When we lose concentration, we will never even pass our exams. If you're in school and you lose concentration, you will not pass exams. You can pray, you can fast, you can do all those things, but you will not pass exams. When you lose concentration, you will lose your marriage. If you don't concentrate on your marriage, to build your marriage, you will lose it. And you will say it's the devil. And the devil is not there. It's just lack of concentration. You are not listening to your spouse. You are not feeling your spouse. Church is very quiet. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm very passionate about marriage because I want marriages to work. You must always listen to your spouse. That's why God gave you two ears and he gave you one mouth. You must be doing more of listening. Because when you are listening, it means you are concentrating on what this person is going through, what this person is saying, and what this person is communicating to you. But because you are talking all the time, that's why you are losing your marriage. Because you are not listening. It's no concentration. You have to concentrate. This is a woman. What is she saying? She's not a man. She's a woman. And this is a man. What is he saying? He is not a woman. He is a man. Listen to him. But both of you are talking, 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 talking. Nobody's listening to each other. There's no concentration. That marriage will die. Listen to your children. Concentrate. Your children are speaking to you. Anything that you're engaged in, if you lose concentration, it will come crumbling down. Even your body is speaking. Oh, yes. It is speaking. It, speak. it will tell you. Pain is communication. Huh? comes you can't climb stairs the way you used to climb stairs. This day you do one, two. Your tongue is out. Your body is telling you something. If you can concentrate and listen to your body, there is a message right there. It is telling you, if you don't focus on me, you will lose me. Are we together? Am I speaking to somebody here? Tell your neighbor, you must have concentration. Anything you are building, anything you are trying to establish, there has to be concentration. If you are not concentrating, you will lose it. If you are not concentrating, you will miss out on the finer details that will bring the entire thing down. By the time you wake up, you realize you should have listened more. You should have been listening to this person 
You should have been listening to the messages that you are being given at a particular point. If you are keen, then you could, not, you could not have been where you are today. Concentration is important. These guys started speaking different languages. They lost concentration. They were not building anymore. They were trying to understand each other. And the Bible says the construction ceased. And these guys were scattered. I pray that nothing will take us away from our mission to build. In the name of Jesus. Like Nehemiah, we shall be focused. Like Jesus, we shall be focused. Can I hear louder? Amen. Amen. I pray that nobody will rest until that cathedral is finished. You will not lose concentration. I wish I can go deeper. Let me go deeper. Can I go a little bit deeper? Do you know how people lose concentration when it comes to building? They lose concentration when they get tired of giving. That's one of the ways you can lose concentration. Another one, they lose concentration when the, pro when the project is taking longer than they expected. And they lose concentration. They lose concentration when they succumb to what I call donor fatigue. Oh, we've been giving, 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 giving. I've not even seen the, 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 the slab. Giving, giving, giving. I'm not even seeing windows. Giving, giving, giving. I'm not even seeing the floor. It is losing concentration. But if you concentrate, then you realize that there are finer details that you need to know. I've even seen teams that lose concentration. They lose at the end. Final hours, sorry, final minutes of the match. Final minutes. Some people are remembering the teams, eh? Or even seconds. When they just relax and say, ah, we are left with one minute, it will not make a big difference. And so they are there. Some of them are even trying to waste time. And before they know it, they have been scored. Concentration. Tell your neighbor, concentration. We must stay focused. Hallelujah. I say we must stay focused. You must stay focused. For you to build and finish whatever you started, for you to complete your project, you must stay focused. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. Even our faith is committed to finish it. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy, look at how focused he was. Who for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross because he had the power of concentration working in him. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When he thought about what is ahead, what is, you know, in front of the cross and the shame, he despised them. Power of concentration. Hallelujah. If we can see the end product, nothing can distract us. If we can see that one day we shall be in that building, we will never rest until it happens. We will not stop giving until it happens. We will not stop you know, building until it happens because the joy keeps us going. The concentration we have of the end product keeps us going. Let us be like Jesus. Let us be like Nehemiah. Let us be like God. Let us not lose concentration. Until what is built is completed. Number three. What do we need? We need a concerted effort. We need concentration. And number three. We need commitment. For us to complete our projects. I don't think there's anybody here who has never felt discouraged. If you've never felt discouraged, please pray for us. But all of us here, we have felt discouraged. And maybe there's somebody in this service you are discouraged this morning. All of us have gone through discouragement. One thing that I know that accompanies a project is discouragement. Anything you do that is worthwhile, I want you to know, get ready for discouragement. It will show up. It will strike at your heart. Discouragement comes when a project has taken too long. Or discouragement comes 
when the sacrifice seems unending. Discouragement will always show up. Or you just feel like, ah, this thing, must I do it? Hmm? Must I stay in this marriage? Will I go to heaven? If I leave the marriage, you can have such a discussion in your head. Because you're discouraged. You can't do it anymore. Discouragement will always come. Must I keep on praying? Must I keep on coming on a Tuesday prayer service? See, I can just pray at home. This week, if I don't pray, does it mean I've backslidden? Because you're discouraged. And you don't feel like you should do it. Must I... I think I should step down from this department and just take it easy. You are discouraged. Hmm? Must I sing every Sunday? See, other people can sing. Tell your neighbor, those are signs of discouragement. Must I come to church every Sunday? The signs. Discouragement will always show up and it strikes at every man's or woman's heart. So it is commitment. Somebody shout commitment. That will keep you going. Hallelujah. You must be committed for you to accomplish what you have started. Commitment keeps you going when discouragement strikes. Commitment keeps you going when discouragement strikes. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 6. Look at what the Bible says. I love these people. These people are really committed. And the Lord said, indeed the people are one. Indeed the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing. Somebody say nothing. Including what? Discouragement. Nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. That means they are so committed that there is nothing else that can break their resolve to build this tower and this city. Do you know what God was saying? If I don't stop them, nobody will. Commitment. If I don't disrupt their flow to build this city and tower, nobody will. That is the power of commitment. When you're committed, when you're committed nothing can break your resolve to finish what you have started. Glory to God. When you're committed to a marriage, it can never end. Hmm? You're very quiet. Ask your neighbor, what's your plan? Why not supporting the pastor? When you're really committed to a marriage, I'm telling you, the wife is committed, the husband is committed, there is no way that marriage can end. You can go through the fire, you can go through, I don't know, the water, you can go through a hard time, but because of commitment, you will still stick by one another. When you're committed to Jesus, you can never backslide. Just say yes or mm or wow or. I say when you're committed to Jesus, you can never backslide. Backslide to where? To who? And you're committed to Jesus. Totally committed to you. He's totally committed to you. So when you're committed to there's no way you can backslide. When you see people sliding, when you see people becoming lukewarm, when you see people, you know, going down, they will use so many excuses, but at the heart of their action is lack of commitment. Hmm? When we are committed to a project like this, we shall finish it. Jesus, God is saying, these people, whatever they have proposed to do, Whatever they think of doing, whatever they, whatever they decide to do, nothing will be able to stop them. It's the power. It's the power of commitment. Hallelujah. I pray that all of you will be committed to this project in Jesus' name.
You'll be committed with your finances, with your time, with your gifts, with your everything to ensure that this project is completed in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen in this? You know, this last, last week, I think two weeks ago, I, I, I went to two churches here in Siokimau that have been built. I went to this SEK, then I went to Catholic. This Catholic church has been built. It's a beautiful sanctuary, state of the art. Amazing, I'm telling you. I entered there and I was like, wow. Wow. This is amazing. I left there, I said, we must build. I'm committed to build. And I was asking them, when did you start building? And they gave me the history of the building of those churches. And I realized building is a journey. And they told me people came, people left. There are people who got discouraged. There are people who left. But some of us stayed. Stayed and we gave. Stayed and we sacrificed. And we are so happy every time we come here, we look around and we see our sacrifice, our dedication, our commitment. We are so excited. And now we are even provoked to build many more cathedrals because we have seen what commitment can do. Tell your neighbor, we must build. And as we are full of the Holy Ghost, huh? we speak in tongues until we vibrate like a generator. Where is our sanctuary? Pentecostals, are you here? We speak in tongues. We say we are, we are full of the spirit and anointing. We are miracle workers. Where is your, where, where, first of all, where is the miracle of the building? This, this church on this side is very quiet. Ask your neighbor, first of all, where is the miracle of a sanctuary, a building, a cathedral? Built, built, built. Protestants are not committed to that miracle of building God's house. Yet it, it is at the heart of the Bible. God says, go to the mountain and build me a house. It doesn't matter how many years it will take. Go to the mountain, bring wood, and build me a house. Let me tell you, when I entered into that cathedral inside, I felt God in that place. I don't care what you say about the Catholic Church. But I felt God. I felt like God is honored here even more than in our church. What is this? Ask your neighbor for me, what is this? Ask your neighbor, is this your God? What is this? Canvas. What is this? We must build. There must be commitment in our hearts that we are going to change this tra trajectory in the name of Jesus. Can, can, can I get an amen in this house? Oh yes, we have to change it. No wonder even governments don't respect Pentecostal churches the way they respect Catholic churches because Catholic churches have miracles of buildings and they show how they honor God by building God houses. Different areas, different places, different cities, different countries. Go to those places. You will find Catholics have built churches. If you are to look at the results, which God is true? You, you speak in tongues, but you are stingy. You can't build for your God. Behind a duka. The whole night, Kesha. And the people who are coming behind that duka, they are driving big cars behind that duka. They are wearing expensive suits behind that duka, sitting on forms. You know what a form is? You know what a form is? And that form is not portable. <laughs> we have no commitment to build the house of God. We are not serious. Totally, we are not serious. But we can pray the whole night. We can speak in tongues the whole night. Huh? 
We have Lanchawa, we have Monglory, we have conferences. Seven steps to acceleration. 20 steps to your next level. Where are our works? I'm asking you, where are our works? What are we leaving to the next generation? If we leave this church the way it is, to those children in the Sunday school, with this canvas, we have failed. Because now they have no other bigger thing to look forward to. We should raise the bar so high so they know how things are supposed to be done. Tell your neighbor, God wants your commitment. Oh, you know, I've seen this church, they have started building. You know, when I see buildings, I know the next thing they are going to be asking, money, money every Sunday, money, 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 money. Let me go to another church. When they are done, I'll come back. Tell your neighbor, you're foolish in your head. You don't understand what we are doing here. That church that you are going to, somebody else built it. It didn't fall from the sky. Somebody else was committed to building it. Where there's no commitment, no project will be fulfilled. I've been praying and asking God, God, I'm committed to this thing. Give me long life. I want to build churches for you. I've given God my commitment. If you keep me long enough, I'll build as many churches as possible. When we're done with this, we'll start another project. We will not stop. We want to build and build and build. I want to go to Makindu, buy land, build. COT in Makindu, build. I want to go to Utawala and build. I want to go to Nakuru and build. I want to go to Eldoret and build. I want to go to Meru and build. I want to go to Kisumu and build. I want to go to Mombasa and build. So when you move around, you will see cathedrals. Tell your neighbor you need to be committed. Committed. Lastly, is the contribution. It's not just a concerted effort. It's not just concentration that is required. It's not just commitment that is required. But also, your contribution is important. Naturally, we are stingy, isn't it? There is a padlock. But God commands us to give so that his work may move forward. Projects, ladies and gentlemen, are completed because of availability of resources and funds. Where there is a constant flow of generosity, projects will for sure be completed. When you look at verse 3 of Genesis chapter 11, these guys, they didn't just talk about building. They said, we should also do something about this building. Verse 3 of Genesis chapter 11. They say to one another, come, let us make. Somebody say make. Let us make what? Bricks. And bake them thoroughly. Why are they making bricks? Because something has been given to make the bricks. Why are they baking them thoroughly? Because an equipment has been given for the baking of these bricks. The Bible says they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. From this verse, we can deduce two things. They contributed two things. Number one, they contributed their resources. Those bricks and there was mortar, which is built out of resources that have been given. Number two, they contributed their expertise or manpower. The Bible says they backed them thoroughly. And I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that nothing can stop a generous church. No project will stall in a church full of generous members. Churches that are full of generous members build cathedrals, build schools, build the children's center, build so many things because the members are generous. When we give generously and sacrificially, projects will be completed.
That's why I've been challenging you to give. I've been challenging you to contribute. And tell your neighbor for me, don't get tired. Because when there is a constant flow of resources and funds, projects will be completed. Somebody say constant flow of resources. You see, when you talk about money, even there's tension in the church. I already feel the tension. So tell your neighbor, breathe in. Ah. You think they have relaxed. Yeah. You can build a tower without mortar. You can't build a city without bricks. You can't build a tower without expertise. You can't build a city without expertise. They contributed materials. They contributed their expertise for the building of God's house. As I bring this series to a close, I pray that that project will not stall. We shall engage all these ingredients and build God's house. I look forward to a day who will stand in there and I will tell you, look what the Lord has done. I hope you'll be there. I hope I'll see you when you shall be dancing on that stage, blessing the name of Jesus. I pray that God give you long life. May God protect you to see that day. May you be there, live. Not watching online, live in the name of Jesus to celebrate the goodness of God. So the ingredients of building, ladies and gentlemen, have to do with unity, have to do with the language, and have to do with the enterprise. I pray that we shall employ all these three very principles to ensure that God's work, God's house, is built in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.